0: Well, good morning again. It is uh, my uh, pleasure to be with you again. Uh, Father Astor is off this week, and we pray that he is enjoying a restful uh, weekend uh, with his family and that he will be refreshed as he returns to us again next Sunday for Pentecost Sunday. Well, in John's Gospel, I I believe this is at least the third week, that we have been in John's gospel. And John is the only gospel writer who tells us, who gives to us a lengthy discourse that Jesus had with his disciples the night before he died. And Jesus, for three years, has been showing his disciples how to live the life that God has intended, how to live in accordance with God's holy word. And then He demonstrated for them an incredible act act of service in John 13 when he washed his disciples' feet. Then in chapters 14, 15, and 16, he has a a conversation. He's telling his his, uh, disciples many things, and especially he's promising that the Holy Spirit will come as he continues to tell them that he is going to be leaving. Uh, them. And then as we get to chapter 17, he prays the longest prayer we have recorded in scripture by Jesus to God, his father. And he prays first in the beginning to his father for himself. Then in our passage, he prays for his 12 disciples, and then the other disciples who have who have followed him. And then at the end of the chapter, He prays for people who become his disciples because of the word and uh, the gospel message that his disciples then would pass on uh, to others and spread by preaching his word. And Jesus had told them how to live while he was with them. And now he knows, but they don't know. He's one day away from, from death and from leaving them as Jesus the God man. And the twelve disciples, their pursuit when their life pursuit was when, when they were with Jesus was to know God. And during these three years together, Jesus revealed God's character through his preaching and his teaching of the Word of God, through his healings of the sick, the lame, the blind, and raising the dead to life, and principally Lazarus whom John devotes a whole chapter to. Jesus passed on to his disciples an intimate knowledge of God. And in the third verse of chapter 17, Jesus told his father that this is eternal life, that my disciples may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Knowing God and Jesus Christ is the most important pursuit in this world, it's worth more than all the money, the power, the fame, the prestige that anyone can accumulate. We read of you know, people who've apparently had everything, and then their life goes on track. Or one of the most famous, and for some of us who are old enough, who, li- who were around when he lived, Howard Hughes was one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world but he died a millionaire junkie. All the money, the wealth, the fame couldn't satisfy him. Nothing in life can compare to knowing God. And Jesus wanted his disciples to continue living the God life that he had given them after he died. So. The first question when I read this is to myself, and that we should be asking is how important is knowing God to us? Is God our first priority? And that gets continually challenged. And I think, you know, as we continue to advance in technology um, and all the things that are available to us, entertainment, access, you know, this phone, um, it'd be incredible how much. We look at this phone, or when it beeps, we, we go, we take a look at it. Not that I'm going to rip the phone, but our most important pursuit should be to know God. Because God, it was so important to God to, for him to be in, for, he wanted to be in relationship with us and wanted him to know him so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so we could be reconciled to him. And as Jesus begins to pray for his disciples in verse 6, he revealed two important aspects of living the God life. First, Jesus' disciples obeyed God's word. Jesus modeled this. That was what Jesus did. That was his DNA. And once again, he showed this incredible, perfect obedience by dying for the sins of the world. He was the sinless human being, yet he went to the cross for our sins to die. And Jesus said, prayed to his holy father, I have revealed your name to the men you gave me from the world. And when Jesus says this, he's saying how he revealed God's character, his heart, and his will for people that were created in his divine image. And Jesus, the man, perfectly modeled how God wanted people to to live, and he taught the disciples God's word. And his disciples obeyed his word. Well, Jesus' disciples not only listened to God's word and obeyed it, he, they also believed that Jesus was sent by God. And, G, and Jesus tells his father this. And they believed that Jesus spoke God's word and that God's word was true. And to this point, the disciples have done this in the presence of Jesus, with, that, with Jesus being with them on a daily basis. But one day more, Jesus knows he will no longer be with his disciples. So they don't know this, but their life is going to change incredibly. And in many ways, it's going to be more difficult for them without Jesus to live the God life and to know God. They won't have Jesus there to protect them from the devil and people opposed to Jesus. So Jesus prayed for important things to God for his disciples. He asked God to protect them by the power of your name, protect them from the evil one, the devil, sanctify them and fill them with my joy. First, Jesus prayed to his Holy Father to protect his disciples by his name. In a lot of your Bibles, it will say, um, uh, keep, keep them, keep them unharmed, preserve them so that they continue to obey your word, and we can look at this, and I think, you know, also, Jesus wants God to protect them physically, but I think most importantly, God want, Jesus wants God to protect them in their faith in Christ because those disciples, the same religious leaders who opposed Jesus and wouldn't believe in him and were trying to kill him, are going to do the same thing to his disciples because the disciples, their mission, Jesus even says at the end of our reading, and we know towards the end of the gospel, after Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus comes back to them when he, when he proclaims those uh, words of comfort, peace, you know, as they are troubled after his death. And he, sen- he says, then I send you out. And they are going to need his protection, because they're, they're called to do the same thing that Jesus was doing. And they are going to be the church, who is the body, which is the body of Christ. So we need physical protection. But as we know, throughout the centuries, Christians have been persecuted for their faith, and some have died. So it has to go beyond the, the physical. And then also, we're only here for a short period of time. And Jesus wants their faith in God to be strong and for them not to be taken off track. And Jesus said that he didn't lose one of the disciples whom you gave me except for Judas, who betrayed uh, Jesus. And, but, but also Jesus points out that, and John does in, in this gospel writing, that that was done so that scripture would be fulfilled. Because Jesus needed to go to the cross. It was part of God's plan to save the world from sin. And Jesus prays for protection. Because for one, Jesus goes on to say that the world hated the disciples. Because they live according to God's word and ways. And many people rejected this. As I said, all the Jewish religious leaders, nearly all of them opposed Jesus and sought to kill him. He was the Messiah that they had been looking for and that God's word, the Old Testament, had been prophesying. But they couldn't recognize him or they didn't want to recognize him. And because the disciples are going to carry on Jesus' mission, the religious leaders are going to oppose them too. And as we know, there were 11, 11 of the disciples, apostles, after Judas... And all but John were killed by others because of their faith in Christ. So we know that the world is going to be opposed to the gospel message of Jesus. And that they will be challenged and threatened and tempted to stray away from their faith. A life-saving faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus, you know, one way to protect them would be to just take them out of the world. The world meaning people opposed to God's message. But Jesus doesn't pray for that, because if that happens, how is the gospel of Jesus Christ going to be passed on throughout the generations? So Jesus is sending his disciples out to reveal God and Jesus Christ to people who do not know God. And Jesus also prays that his disciples would be one, would be in unity just as God The Father and Jesus Christ, the Son, are one. And it's that faith in Christ which is what unites us. So as we we look at that, why do we come together here? Yeah, we do. I want to see you. There's that component, but we could see people in many different spheres. But the reason we come together to worship our holy God it's because of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what brings us here today. That's what brings us to uh, Bible studies, to prayer meetings, other things, other, other gatherings, acts of service. It is our faith in Christ that unites us. And this is so important, especially in the face of opposition or just in the face of our own sinful selves who want to do what I want to do which sometimes is not, which I know is not what God's will and word call for me to do and and how to live. And it's especially important, this protection, because there is a devil, there is an evil one, who is going to take us off course in ways that, that we can't see and that we don't understand. And as we look around You know, in our world, there's a lot to trouble us. And sometimes I get so worked up about it. But as as I was, you know, reading these scriptures and preparing this message and even thinking about, you know, things I want to do and while they may be good, once again, I'm drawn back. What does God's word tell me I should do? And what is most important? And most important is... That I, that I am living, that we are living for God, and that we are displaying God's characteristics um, you know, to the world and also spreading faith in Christ and to those who do not believe in Jesus and who may not have heard the gospel message. So we may want to fix the schools and we may not want this person to be president, senator, our mayor, whatever. But the most important thing is proclaiming God's word through our conduct, our conversation, our character, and being in relationship with other people. So we need God's protection, but we also need God to make us holy. And we also, we need to do our part. And Jesus prays to God to sanctify his disciples by the truth that is God's word. And you know we know God's word are these scriptures. And the truth, we know this is not a lie. That this is the honest, revealed word of God. And it is the ultimate truth. And so Jesus, when he asks God to sanctify his disciples, he's asking them, he's asking God, to make them holy, to set them apart, to consecrate them, to dedicate them for service in God's kingdom and to share Jesus with others and that they would remain in this word and live out this word and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ so that people will believe in Jesus and believe that Jesus is God's son sent into the world to be the savior of the world. And God can sanctify them because in verse 19, Jesus said, I sanctify myself for them. Now, in the case of Jesus, his being sanctified is a little different than ours being sanctified. He sanctified himself by perfectly obeying his father, God, by being crucified to death on the cross so that the sin of the world and every person would be sacrificed. That the sin of the world would be sacrificed once for all time upon the cross. The endless sacrifices of of animals on the altar would stop. They could never forgive our sins once and for all because we keep on sinning. But because Jesus went to the cross, we can confess our sins and ask God for forgiveness. And it is through Jesus' death on the cross that we can be made holy. Disciples protected by God and sanctified by Jesus Christ's death can have the joy of Christ completed and made whole in them. For me, this, this is, you know, one important payoff, one incredible benefit that we get back by, you know, believing in God and seeking to set ourselves apart and to be holy as God is holy, to attempt that in, with our human limitations. Because Jesus wanted his disciples to experience his gladness and his joy to the full measure, to the highest degree possible. He says this in verse 13 at the end. I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves and it's God's word and the love of God that make joy in human hearts possible and our obedience to God's word helps us to stay to have this joy, to experience this joy and this joy in the Lord endures no matter what life's challenges and circumstances may bring 19th century evangelist Dwight L. Moody once said, the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. I think joy is something we all want. And joy is that joy lasts in spite of the circumstances we go through. There's, sometimes we may equate joy with happiness, but some preachers have said happiness depends upon good things happening. Joy doesn't depend upon that. It can be tough when, good thing, when bad things are happening and when a lot of good things don't happen for a long time. But it's that peace of Christ, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that lasts and that is that joy and we will we will get through to the other side and it may not be what we live here on this earth because eternity is a long time and in my human mind it's like forever well i'm hoping you know that i'll live to 80 90 years or something but you just take that let's just say. You live to 100. Well, how many centuries have we got? We're in the in year 2020. Well, that's only, that's less than 5%. Then you go back before Christ. It is just a small amount of time in this world that God created. And so when we believe in Christ, when we leave this earth, we will have that joy. And we won't have the things that may try to take that joy away from us. So seek that joy and that love of God that only comes from him and fills our human hearts to follow God's will and way and to endure what we have to endure on this side of eternity. So Jesus' prayer for his disciples in John 17 What he prayed 2,000 years ago for his disciples remains his prayer for us today. Jesus' disciples are called to know God and live like they know him. Disciples, believers in Jesus Christ, should be on a life-consuming quest to be transformed by God and his holy word and to become more like Christ each and every day. And as the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Christian author and professor, Dallas Willard, declared in his book, The Great Omission, Reclaiming Jesus' Essential Teachings on Discipleship. He said, our directions as we go are clear. To be disciples or apprentices of Jesus in kingdom living and by our life and words as his apprentices to witness of Jesus in kingdom living and by our, let me go back, I messed that up. Our, our directions as we go are clear, to be disciples, apprentices of Jesus in kingdom living and by our life and words as his apprentices to witness, to bring others to know and long for the life that is in us through confidence in him. It's all true, it works, it is accessible to anyone, and there is nothing in the world to compare. God wants us to experience the joy of the Lord, and his prescription for joy is to stand firm on the foundation of his holy word and to trust and obey him at all times. It's not always easy, but living for God is the best way to live now and forever. Amen.